The gospel reading for tonight is from the book of John, chapter 20, verses 19 through 29. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who, who have not seen and yet have come to believe. The word of the Lord. Now the author of the book of Acts reports the giving of the Holy Spirit in a very dramatic way. Jesus' disciples, if you can remember, have just seen him ascend into the sky. And then there is a rushing wind and tongues of fire come shooting back down through the sky and all around and enter the disciples and they all start speaking foreign languages and proclaiming the good news of God's reconciling love to everyone. And all the people are amazed and they believe and thousands are added to their numbers. It's very impressive. This is what the church celebrates as Pentecost. Pentecost is a Greek name for the Jewish festival of weeks, which celebrates the giving of the law on Mount Sinai, which if you remember your Hebrew Bible, and I'm sure you do, um, there's a lot of rushing of wind and fire in that story too. In Christianity, Pentecost is celebrated as the birth of the church. And it is celebrated with all kinds of enthusiasm, excitement, elation, if you will. The Spirit of God, of the living Christ, is given to humans, and that Spirit transforms us and emboldens us to sing hallelujahs and praise and spread God's good news to every corner of the world. So a lot of churches, when it comes to celebrating this, they really try to go all out. 
have a kind of an upbeat feel to the whole thing. They hang red banners all over the church for the celebration of Pentecost. They have parades. There's clowns and dog acts. Maybe not dog acts, but I've seen the clowns. But you get the idea. It's special. It's big. It's happy. May I even say glorious. Celebrations of this truly unbelievable second coming of God into the world. Which, of course, that is what Pentecost is. After Jesus has been executed, raised from the dead, and appeared to disciples and ascended into heaven, he sends the Spirit of God to live in and among his followers. And this second coming of God into the world reveals to Jesus' followers that Jesus, the man, is in fact Jesus the Christ, God. The presence of the Spirit of Christ living in and among Jesus' followers places places within and among them a passion to proclaim the message of love and reconciliation to the world, just as Jesus did. This act, which we should celebrate, is nothing less than the birthday of the church, because it is only when Jesus' followers come out of their hiding place in that house and begin sharing God's good news with others beyond their own group only when this, through this power of the Holy Spirit, that they start living Jesus' new commandment to love one another as I have loved you, only then do they become the church. And the church is primarily given for the world. All of which is worthy of celebration in the most grand ways possible. But at House of Mercy, we've never really managed, you know, celebrate with that expected, what would you say, fervor? We've never really done the red banner thing here. Honestly, I don't really even know where you get those red banners. I mean, there must be some kind of Pentecost shop or something. I don't know. But, you know, maybe it's okay that we don't have some big over-the-top charismatic ballyhoo. Because, you know, we're really not that much of a charismatic sort of church. Maybe this comes as a surprise to you. There are some introverts among us. So maybe for us, a simple acknowledgement of the giving of the Spirit of God into the world to empower Jesus' original followers, to embolden them and spread his commandment of love and re re reconciliation, thus establishing the church, is more our style. A simple acknowledgement. Maybe uh, that's really good. You know, maybe that's more like us, you know? Or maybe, you know, more emotion about this might be nice. I mean, maybe in the spirit of this really incredible thing, I could try and deliver my ironic and cynical witticisms in a more charismatic manner. Or as the French say, charismatique manner. Maybe we could all use a little bit more praising, actually. A kind of a praising attitude. Maybe you have it in there somewhere. Maybe you just want permission, you know. I could give you permission. Maybe I could give it a try. Just, you know, like kind of hallelujah to the Lord. Woo! To Jesus. Holy Spirit. Feel free to join me. 
Super hallelujah, Yankee hallelujah, dandy, halley freaking hallelujah. Maybe not. Maybe we're just not a charismatic church, you know? Maybe you're not a charismatic kind of people. Uh, how do you say in the French, non-charismatique? I know there are some of you at some times have expressed your faith in a more effusive manner. I know there's some of us, when other people aren't looking, sneak off into the back pew of a Pentecostal church from time to time. You know, maybe you need to get something somewhere else that you can't necessarily get from House of Mercy, which of course is great. You can't get everything you need in one place. And after all, we are just a church, not the church. But it does seem to me that a lot of folks who find their way here and stick around are looking for sort of a different kind of way of interacting with God that doesn't require public displays of effusiveness. Which again is okay, and I don't have to grant permission there for you to be you, of course, and... Well, what does this mean then, if this is who we are? when it comes to this Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God coming among us. I mean, can you have Pentecost if you're not Pentecostal? Do we at House of Mercy just say, well, that kind of Pentecost thing, that's not really our forte. And just stick to focusing on, like, the Feast of Jonah and Good Friday and Kierkegaard's birthday? For our big religious celebrations? Well, you know, thankfully, there is an alternative to Luke's version of Pentecost, as he describes in the second chapter of Acts. It's right here, what we heard tonight, in the 20th chapter of John's Gospel. The two contrasts of Pentecost options are really quite remarkable. In Luke's version, in Acts, it's just big and violent and powerful and miraculous. Luke writes, when the day of Pentecost had come, there were, they were all together in one place, and suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as fire appeared among them, and tongues rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak another language, and the Spirit gave them ability. It's quite a big deal they're making of it. Now, John's Pentecost happens in a more low-key way. First of all, <laughs> they're all hiding. They're hiding in this house, and all the doors are locked because they are really afraid. They're not emboldened. They're afraid that the Jewish religious leaders are going to come after them for being followers of Jesus. Or even worse, they thought that the Romans were going to come after them and kill them because it was a crime in the Roman Empire to disturb a grave, a crime punishable by death. And there had been some speculation that the disciples had stolen Jesus' body to make it look like he'd risen. So in the midst of this locked-up hideout, Jesus appears. And what the text says is, Jesus came and stood among them. 
Jesus is right there with them, next to them. And because they are scared, he comforts them. Peace, he says. Peace be with you. And he shows them his wounds. And he shows them that he's not a ghost or a spirit, but Jesus the man who they followed, who was their teacher, and who they abandoned, and who was executed, and it now is alive, who is once again with them, next to them, speaking to them, not words of judgment, but of comfort and peace. He is not shouting. He's not shooting fire. He wishes them peace. He stands among them. Again, he says, peace be with you. And then he entrusts them with his mission, makes them part of God's unfolding revelation to the world. He includes them saying, as the Father has sent me, I send you. And we know from Jesus' words earlier in John's gospel that God sent Jesus not to condemn the world, but to love it, to save it. It is now in the same way that Jesus sends them, these doubters, these abandoners, these frightened followers hiding. Jesus sends them to continue his work. And then, and this is John's Pentecost moment, he breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. He breathes on them. Not fire, thunder, lightning. <sighs> this is not the violent tongues of fire shooting down from heaven and flying all around the room sounding like a tornado. It's a breath. Who breathes on you? How close do you have to be to feel someone breathe on you? How well do you have to know someone to have them breathe on you and to not have it irritate you or concern you or creep you out? Isn't this how we get sick? Isn't this the way germs are transmitted from one person to another? Isn't this the way disease is spread? This is infection. This is also so very intimate. It's holding someone you love and feeling their breath on your neck. It is so intimate and physical. It is a connection, almost a touch. Breath which comes out of the mouth of one living creature and can reach another living creature invisibly without removing that spatial distance between them, connecting them. It is in this way that God reveals God's self in John's gospel. God's spirit comes not down from heaven, but from among them, from within the same room, from right next to them, not in a loud and triumphant way, but as the sound and feel of a breath. It is God who comes to us, God who gives God's self to us as we inhale. We are infected with the love of God, with the ability to bring that love to others. Because Jesus gives us his spirit, 
not for our own reassurance and comfort, but for others. In both Luke's and John's Pentecost, the Holy Spirit is not given to individuals in isolation, but given to the community of believers gathered together. The Spirit, as Jesus promises earlier, dwells in them and among them, so that they are able to get to able together to love the world and one another as they have been loved. This is not a distant God raining fire from above, but God who comes to us, God who comes so close that we breathe God in. That seems to me like good news. Can I get an amen?